Rossi Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to another episode of Podcast, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tom Grassi. And today, looking ahead after the ass whooping that the Green Bay Packers received by the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense on Sunday, we look ahead to the Houston Texans, in which will hopefully be a game where you know, we could uh, we get things right and start feeling good about ourselves again. But to help us preview that matchup, we have a great friend of the show was on one of the first seasons of PackCast before there was even video in the dark times where you just had to listen to things on SoundCloud and iTunes, but it's not even called iTunes anymore. He is the founder of the Texans Un filtered podcast mr james carlson and wow i mean that intro was just incredible i, I feel i feel special and i appreciate you having me on uh, buddy i appreciate you and we're, we're doing a little little uh trading uh spaces over here in which we just on your show and now we're hip-hop and skipping and doodadding all over to my show and we got a reunion from uh four and a half years ago crazy crazy so James, tell the people a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your pod, uh, and kind of like, give me give me your story, and of course, your mother's maiden name and social security number, please. Got it. I'll give those last two first. Um, so yeah, we started uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, I came on Tom's podcast, and I said, wow, this is really fun. I love talking football, and uh, there's nobody else that does it for the Texans, and uh, I think uh, not but a month later. I started it, and uh, now we're a YouTube stream. We have a website. We have three writers, um, and you know we have press passes. And yeah, things are um, pretty incredible. Uh, so yeah, a Texans fan uh, moved to Houston the year that they became a team, and um, that just kind of inherited them. And I've been here ever since. And what a season to podcast and YouTube about, and you know from the off season to. Firing Bill O'Brien. There's there's tons of things we could talk about, Tom. Just tell me where you want to start. It's a laundry list. Yeah, th- th- this is one of those podcasts where I'm not just like, oh man, I'm struggling. I don't even know anything about this. Oh, no, no, no. We got things to talk about, my friend. We got plenty to talk about. So let's talk about the big elephant that's no longer in the room. Let's talk about Bill O'Brien. Okay. Bill O'Brien. I, you know, I'm not even going to talk about his firing yet because I want, I want to savor that. I want that to be the climax. Sure. So Bill O'Brien... A former uh, coach with the Patriots, right? So he's used to come from the, the Belichick tree. One of many who has the gone most, on to other teams. A successful coaching tree that yeah, is right. just always replicated. Oh, it is. In every single area it goes. You look at the Lions. You look at the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's just success abound, really. I mean, Bill Belichick obviously was just built up by these, these, these assistant Absolutely. coaches. 100%. Guy has no natural talent whatsoever. So Bill O'Brien... You know, he, he he's there for a bit. He was there for a spell. And we were talking about this on your pod. And I feel like similar to how Aaron Rodgers kind of carried the Packers through some of those seasons, you have the exact same scenario with Deshaun Watson right now. So I think my first question is, before we get to trades and all that great stuff, is why the hell did it take so long for them to not only, you know, fire Bill O'Brien, but on... God's green earth, I cannot understand why you also make him your GM. Can you in any way, shape, or form rationalize this to me? I will do my best. 
Um, I will do my best. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think a lot of fans felt after what we saw with Bill O'Brien and Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm. I think there was a, I think there was a, a clear understanding that he could get the most out of his quarterback. You know, uh, he won the AFC South twice with those guys at quarterback, went to the divisional round with Brock Osweiler at quarterback, um, almost beat the Patriots. And, um, you know, I think once we drafted Deshaun, I think the fan base kind of reset and, and said if he could do that with those guys, he should be able to do even more with Deshaun Watson. Um, and so, you know, over the last three years, you know, out, you know, and it all started off the way that you would expect it to. In the rookie year, Deshaun was lighting the league on fire. Most people don't realize how good Deshaun was his rookie year. Oh, he was. Uh, he was phenomenal. He was he he made whatever Baker Mayfield recently did, who I'm, I'm not a fan of. Um I think he broke every rookie record. Deshaun was on par to do that through, I think it was week 12. He would have smashed every record and still had four games to go, but he got hurt in the Seattle game. He was lighting the league on fire. Um, And then, you know, he tears his ACL, but there was a, there was a, there was a change. And the, the philosophy of what Bill O'Brien wanted to do was keep Deshaun in the pocket, uh, not take advantage of his athletic skill sets and turn him into Tom Brady. And because of that, he was limited. And, um, you know, the fans started to get impatient and, you know, it, it became a thing where last year after the Chiefs game, we didn't understand why he wasn't fired at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, up 24-0 on the, on the Super Bowl champs, there was, there was a reason to be optimistic at that point. But once that went away, all the optimism kind of flew out the window. So what I think happened with the GM stuff is just that I think he couldn't get along with Rick Smith. He couldn't get along with Brian Game. I think Cal put it on his plate and said, okay, it's your show. And I don't think he thought that he could ruin the franchise the way that he did. Um, I, I think he thought he's putting earnest on him and responsibility and didn't do his due diligence to follow up. And in that time, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, traded two first for Tunsil, got nothing in return for Clowney. Uh, and, you know, we have David Johnson as our, our star running back um, after declining three years. So, I think that that's really what it was, was Cal just telling him, you have nobody else to report to now. If you can't get it done, we're going to fire you. And that's what he did. Unfortunately, he set the franchise back by about a year and a half. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is one of those things of like, hey, like this is your last shot, right? And this is someone essentially like setting the office on fire as they're walking out. That's exactly what he did, right? And and like, it's it. you, you said something that immediately struck a chord with me. And it was the fact of making Deshaun Watson a pocket passer and, you know, like the quick release, like get it out quick, like what have you, not really playing up to his skill set. And as soon as you said that, I was like, wait a minute, that's exactly what Matt Patricia attempted to do to Matt Stafford in Detroit. Right. So is that just like a Bill Belichick, let's try to get Tom Brady in here again, even though they're nothing like Tom Brady? (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's definitely part of it. You know, that's what they're used to. That's what they're yeah. comfortable with. And, and they, and, you know, people tend to lean towards what they're comfortable with, but really all Bill O'Brien had to do to salvage anything is hire a competent OC and let the OC do his job. But Bill O'Brien never wanted to do that. Um, he, he never wanted to hire anybody that could potentially tell him no or fight what he thought was best. He was always the smartest guy in the room. And he didn't want to delegate. He never delegated. He took it all on himself. And that's another reason why he got fired was just because he took on so much that he was ignoring the little details that needed to, to have the attention paid to him. And I think Bill O'Brien is a good coach. 
I just think that Bill O'Brien has to learn that he can't do it on his own and he has mm. to be able to delegate. And that's what good leaders do, not not just in football, but just yeah. in, in the world in general. If you're a successful leader, you delegate, you trust your staff to do what is important and and uh, let them do it. And Bill O'Brien just never let him do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would agree with that. And I think like, you know, he can find some success, you know, you know, wherever he decides to be, I would assume a coordinator next. Cause I don't think anyone's going to, you know, be like, here you go. You're going to get a head coaching job uh, right off the gate again after what happened in Houston. But then again, Adam Gase got a job. So you never know. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. Right. So, so before we get to kind of like his firing last year, you know, the, the, against the chiefs, yeah, not good. Uh, I mean, like, it, that was one of those things that I couldn't believe what I was watching when they were up by that much because I was like, holy crap, man. Like, the Chiefs, the, like, I don't think anyone expected that. And then for it to be gone in an entire quarter, you looking at this game and watching it a lot more invested than I am. I'm just watching a good football game. I mean, like, was that something that was just like, okay, like, he's gone after this game most definitely. And two, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um, you know, I, we're a newer fan, fan base, right? Newer franchise. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really experienced a ton of success deep in the playoffs. Uh, we had an event and, and watched the game together. And I've, I've never seen or experienced myself the feeling that I had at 24-0. That was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life when it comes yeah. to sports moments. And I'm, a, I'm from LA, so I'm a Laker fan. So, I, I mean, I've experienced some good moments. But it's different with this team. And, and I, and then, so you're all the way up. Yeah. Then, like you said, within a quarter, you're just completely down and you know that where the rest of this is going and and the whole mood of the event was just awful at that point. And um, so, yeah, you know, weeks, I, I, but I never expected them to be fired. I I, I honestly didn't expect them to be fired this year. Uh, I, I I thought he was just going to keep going. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that they would blame the defense. I thought he would say, no, this was a transitional period. I never, I honestly never expected Cal to come down and fire him, but Cal took over the team a, a year and a half ago when his, when his father died. So we really don't know much about Cal and how he runs the business. Sure. And it looks as if, you know, he's going to run the business potentially the right way. We'll see. But he also still gave power to Bill O'Brien. So there's that part that still has an issue with me. And we still have Jack Easterby uh, in the front office, which, you know, a lot of fans probably don't know, but, uh, he's the Dabo Sweeney of the NFL. He's a snake charmer um, and, and an oil salesman, whatever that term would be. Um, and he's got the ear of Cal McNair and is going to be leading the charge of the general manager search and head coach search. Um, but yeah, he should have been fired and he wasn't. And that's just, you know, that's what happens in this franchise, it seems. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, first of all, the bad man can't hurt you anymore. He's gone. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you because you're like, he's going to stay. I'm like, that's an abusive relationship. So I'm glad that he's <laughs> at least he's gone now. Um, but the, the thing that kind of set the football world on fire last year was of course, um, or I'm sorry, this year, like was the Deandre Hopkins trade, right? That's another one where I'm looking at that and I go, no, that that's not right. Like that's a typo. Like that's a misprint that that's something else. So Looking at DeAndre, and obviously you're a lot closer to this than I am, was like DeAndre Hopkins like just like wildly unhappy with, with like you know within the franchise, and they're like okay, because like you have for example, and I'm just gonna make this like you know comparison, it's not perfect, but like you have like Minka Fitzpatrick right like on the Dolphins, 
great player. I don't think anyone, even the Dolphins, like said that he wasn't a great player. However, Minka Fitzpatrick was grossly unhappy playing in Miami. They send him off to Pittsburgh. They get a first round back. Everybody seems happy. He's doing really well in Pittsburgh and the Dolphins. Well, you know, they're blowing up their own quarterback room, but that's neither here nor there. So I'm curious, like, is it was just like, it wasn't going to work anymore. So like we had to ship him off to Arizona and like, you know, the Texans just got too much heat for that. Or like, is there no way to rationalize what happened? So I think there's a couple of ways that you can look at it. Um, you know, in DeAndre's career, you know, I mentioned the quarterbacks that, that he's played with. <sighs> Uh, but yet the production was always still there. The only quarterback to ever break DeAndre Hopkins was Brock Osweiler. And he had under a thousand yards for the only, like his, since his rookie year, that was the only time he ever had under a thousand yards. Uh, so when you take that, uh, bottle it up uh, to the ultimate competitor that DeAndre is, um, tired of losing, had to deal with terrible quarterbacks, finally got a quarterback, and then had a head coach turn him into something that he wasn't. And then the loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, it all boiled up. You know, he was tired of losing. There's reports that he, after that game, went into the locker room, stood on top of a table, threw his uh, helmet to the ground, and said that he's tired of losing in uh, a more uh, derogative way. Sure. And uh, said that he wanted out and said it in front of the entire team. So, you know, at that moment, is that salvageable? I think a good leader could salvage it. Yes, I think that that's what it takes, but I think some, a head coach with an ego um, that probably looks as if you just yelled at him in front of his children, which is, that's the kind of guy that Bill O'Brien seems to me. Sure. Um, He probably took that and said, okay, we're going to find a place for you. Um, Then you could look at it from the financial aspect. You know, we, he wanted a raise. We just redid his deal two years ago. We couldn't commit more to him given Tunsil and Deshaun, Um, And then also we would be ignoring our entire other side of the ball on defense. And so, you know, you could have made it work, but you probably shouldn't have anyways. But at the end of the day, the value received back for DeAndre Hopkins will forever be the part that I hang on to in this trade. I'm not one to get emotionally tied to a player. Uh, I'm all about what's best for the team. You can't touch four and you can't touch our left tackle. But outside of that, everybody is movable and replaceable. Um. So, but the value, I mean, David Johnson and the second round pick, sure, that second round pick turned into, um, you know, Brandon Cooks, but outside of, you know, really two games, we haven't seen much out of Brandon Cooks. I would have liked to have Van Jefferson, uh, you know, that the Rams took. There's some other, play, you know, pieces of considering also what Brandon Cooks is uh, being paid. But then you look at David Johnson, who I had on the show and is probably the coolest and nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. And he's not being set up for success now either. He could, he could be doing better. Um, it's the way that we run him. It's our offensive scheme, specifically with the run game that really just damaged David Johnson. Um, but that's never going to be enough when you look at the best wide receiver in the NFL. You should have gotten a first, considering three days later we saw what Stephon Diggs got from, you know, uh, for the Vikings. And DeAndre is a better wide receiver than Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Like, when I look at DeAndre Hopkins, like, he's already, like, in my top five of my current wide receivers in the league just because of exactly what you said whoever throws him the ball, like he still was going to make production out of it. He literally was going to turn, you know, chicken shit into chicken salad. Like he, he was, he was going to do that. So I think um, like from the get go, you obviously have the reaction of the internet just going like, wow, that's a terrible trade. But like you look at that and you're like, okay, no, that's like, that's not that, that that's not what we should have gotten in return for a, a, a player of that caliber. So coming into this season, then 
like, what is your kind of reaction as a fan? Like, are there, are the hopes like high or are you kind of looking at this like, okay, literally like he just set the room on fire. Okay, cool. Like, you know, you obviously still have some optimism. You're still rooting for your team, what have you. But I'm curious of just kind of like your mindset heading into this season as a Texans fan, like what your expectations of the team were. So for me, my expectations were, you know, AFC championship. Um, I, I, you know, what we did in the off season sucks. Uh, there's really just no going around it. I mean, it was just sure. awful stuff happened. And, but when I looked at the talent on offense uh, with Will Fuller, you know, if he could stay healthy, the guy's a number one wide receiver. It's, it's all come down to health. And then when you think of Brandon Cooks on the opposite side, we've seen what Brandon Cooks can do. Um, and then you finally sign a slot wide receiver and Randall Cobb, who Deshaun has never had, and he eats in the middle of the field. It's his favorite thing to do. And you know more than anybody else how great of a wide receiver Randall Cobb actually is. I love him. Yeah, right. And so you, you give him a reliable slot guy. You you have you know Jordan Akins uh, and Darren Fells. The offensive line was supposed to be 10 times better because it was the first time we had all five returning back. Yep. Uh, Titus Howard looks like he's a player. Uh, we're having some issues with the interior of the offensive line. We can get into that later. But I had expectations that we were going to be in high-power offense. And then, you know, week one came around, and that's not what we saw. And I said, okay, we're playing the Chiefs. Yeah. And then we played the Ravens. And then we played the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it's like, okay, uh, you know, at first I'm like, okay, this, you know, what do we do? And then we played the Vikings. And then to me, that was when it set in that this team isn't talented enough, one, on one side of the ball in defense. And two, we don't have the right coach to be able to really put us in a position to succeed. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, I think now, you know, it's a, it's a wasted season. The way I look at it, sure, we could get that seventh AFC spot if we rattle off nine games like we did in 2018. Sure. Uh, but, but I just don't see that being the case because of our defense. And then the biggest concern I have now is with Jack Easterby running the search for GM and head coach. And I, I, you should go read up on him. If nobody has, just Google Jack Easterby. Look at what he's done in New England and how he's been able to maneuver throughout the NFL. Um that's the scariest position that we're in because mm. I don't know if this decision is going to be made properly. And I don't know if the right guys are going to be evaluated for the spot. Uh, he's going to hire Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario. And we're going to try to run Patriots 3.0 since we've tried to do Patriots 2.0. Um, and that's a concern for me. It'll work this time. I swear. Right. Yeah. Because like you could look at this and go like, okay, you know what? It didn't work out with Will Bryan. Like it sucked. It happened. Let's move on. But the problem is, is like, we don't even know if we can get to this point of like, it's a bright future because right. of the people that are in charge who are going to be bringing that future to your doorstep. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. That has to be incredibly frustrating. Like, cause it, I feel like it, that's just, you, you look at you like, I'm trying to find like optimism to be like, and again, you still have Deshaun Watson, you still have a good offense. You know, you have all those pieces. It's just a matter of, and, and I, we were talking about this on your show of like, even if, you know, you don't have a great season, you can at least look forward to the draft, but because of what happened, like, you know, your first two picks are going to Miami and then you're like, okay, well that sucks. I guess we're, we're not going to have that. So like, it puts you in this spot of like, you want to be competitive. So yeah, you might as well go to the playoffs because you know, I don't, I don't believe in the whole, like, you know, rooting for your team to suck. I don't like, no, that. I, we don't do that. Yeah. No, that's, that's garbage. Um, not a- yeah. But I think it's just, yeah, you're in a really interesting position. I think if you do bring in the right guy, it could work out really well. Because like you said, you have the staples that are there, right? You have the staples that every franchise looks for. And so I think like those are definite 
positives. And those are major, major positives. It's just a matter of, again, like, let's look around. And on top of that, one of the other concerning things is like, it looks like there are going to be some pretty significant head coaching vacancies uh, after this season. And then it's a matter of like, who is the right guy? Do you have like a, a person who have like your eye on like coach wise? Yeah. So, you know, the hot name is Eric bien Um, but I have concerns with bien Um, One, the talent on his team. Two, this is only his second year play calling. Yes. Um, and I don't know if he's able to evolve and adapt. You know, we see in the NFL every five to six years, uh, there's a change in a in, in focus and attention on certain aspects of the game. And usually an offense will evolve and there'll be a new offense that everybody else tries to copycat. I don't want to see him try to bring the Chiefs offense to us. And, you know, two years down the road, everybody's caught on. There's enough film and they're able to defend it. And then he's not able to evolve the game plan and adapt to new schemes and new mm. play calling. Um, and plus, like I said, the talent on the Chiefs on offense is just uh, it's astronomical. Oh, it's you know, insane. There's there's no other team that has that that those type of players on their team. Uh, so for me, the name is actually Joe Brady. And the reason why it's Joe Brady is because he reminds me of little Kyle Shanahan. Um, Kyle Shanahan at the age of 30, 31, 32, 33 was considered to be too young uh, and but still was considered an offensive genius. And San Francisco gave him a shot and look at what they're doing. Uh, Joe Brady reminds me of that. Uh, you know, he's the passing game coordinator for three years in New Orleans. Uh, look at what he did at LSU, Penn State. And now look at what he's doing in Carolina without Christian McCaffrey and with, I would say, an average quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. So Joe Brady's the guy. He's 31. He's probably not going to get a look. I, I think he should, though. I want to take a risk. I want to swing for the fences on this. I don't want to go with comfort. I don't want to go with what everybody else is doing. I want to see a guy that can evolve and build a team around their quarterback and that's what he's doing in Carolina we're only six weeks in so that could easily you know fluff out but yeah uh, I like what he's done and that's the guy that I'd like to go after and if not then a defensive uh coach and I think what's on your side too is like it's an attractive position right like you look at like where there's probably gonna be vacancies right so you obviously have the Falcons right you are going to have uh, the Jets, which ho- I mean, hopefully, who, who knows what the hell is happening with them? But like, ain't nobody want to go to the Jets and the Falcons. You're having a team where they're talking about, you know, essentially trading off everybody and are just like, we're just going to start from scratch. You don't really know what you're getting there, right? And as we have talked about, you have those foundational pieces. Like, what coach wouldn't be like, hell yeah, I want to work with like Deshaun Watson. Like, let's do this. Like, let let's essentially like build the team around him, and we get to do it from like the ground floor up. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, a lot of people, I've read articles since uh, Atlanta fired Dan Quinn, and I'm sure Adam Gase, you know, everybody's already projecting that that'll happen, and it should, sure. Uh, And then there's, you know, a couple other ones. But when I look at every other franchise, and even though we're ranked like second or third uh, by these writers, I I don't know that there's a franchise that you would rather have. Sure, the first year is going to be a tough. You have no first or second round pick. Um, But if that is uh, like a reason why they choose not to come with us, then he's probably not the right guy because that just means that when adversity faces him, he's just going to throw his hands up and walk away. I want a guy that can come in and be able to work with what we have, see the potential and then make it work. And then as we get going through the seasons, be able to add the, the, uh, the talent that we're, that is needed. But, you know, I think this is the most talented team that is available for a head coach. Um, I, I can't think of another team in the last five or six years that have had a franchise quarterback at the level of Deshaun Watson and is available. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of it. I was trying to do it last night. I, I looked back. I didn't find anybody that has been fired and had the talent at quarterback like Deshaun Watson. So that's enough. 
Um, but then you look at, you know, Titus Howard and, and, and Laramie Tunsil and, you know, just Zach Cunningham and Bradley Roby and then potentially Gary and Conley. So there, there's, there's players there that you can build around. And I do think it's the most attractive job in the NFL. I don't see that changing unless there's a surprise firing. Um, but I, I do think this is the, the most talented team that's available for a head coach right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I would definitely agree with that. Um, just in terms of like, you don't have to start from like square one, right? Like I don't have to go and try to find a quarterback. I don't have to, cause like, again, the first year, yeah, it's going to suck, right? Like it's going to be tough. You know, you're not going to be able to do a lot because of the cap, because of the draft, what have you. But like, this is a team that you can put like your mark on from like the beginning. You know, I mean, you look at like the Packers, like that job is available and Aaron Rodgers is still playing really like, yeah, of course, like, sure. Sign me up. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go play with Aaron Rodgers and, and we'll do something. Um, yeah, no. So I, I think there's, it's, it's holding on to that, but I agree. You know, it's just a matter of the personnel that you're actually going to wind up bringing in. So all that being said, you know, you have a monstrous first bit of the schedule. Like you are just facing just complete monsters. Um, and then, and then the Vikings, but kind of heading into this week, uh, you and I spoke about this on your pod and, talking about like, you know, what the Texans are going to need to do and what the Packers are going to need to do, what have you. We both don't have great run defenses. We, those are, those are not really there. Um, and this has potential to be a, a high scoring game. So to kind of like not go over everything, but can you kind of tell me like, how can the Texans win this football game from your standpoint? Well, so it's interesting when we talk about the run defense um, because it's really related to gap discipline and poor tackling. So it, it, while the talent isn't, isn't, you know, top tier talent. It really is just more of the basics and the fundamentals that are causing us to be able to give up these huge runs. So if there's a way for them to fix it this week, you know, I would hope that they can. Um, but just what we've seen, um, this has been an issue all season. If they haven't fixed it, you know, since then, I don't know why they would fix it this week. But if they do, then I think it would be a little bit of a different game. Um, I, I, if we could slow down the run, get a, get a lead early, uh, make you guys have to abandon the run. I do think Deshaun can go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him do it with Russell Wilson. We've seen him do it with Tom Brady. Um, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. It's just going to come down to this offense really getting going early, which hasn't happened yet this season. You know, first two or three drives, we have not seen this offense come out ready to go. Um, that's going to have to happen for us to have a chance against the Packers this week. We're going to have to put seven up on our first drive and then just play some fundamental defense. Get back to tackling, stick to your gaps, stay disciplined um, and take away the run. If we could do that, then I think that there's a chance, but really that's all it boils down to. I, I don't think that there's anything else we can do. And honestly, like we talked about in the last show, our corners aren't very good either. So that doesn't give me any optimism to think that if we do stop the run, Aaron's going to be able to uh, just pick us apart. But with your injury to the tackle with David Beck, uh, I always, I'm never going to say his name. So I'm going to say David. And I'm going to let you say it. There we go. And then, um, you know, with him potentially being out, I feel pretty good about the pass rush being able to potentially get to Aaron Rodgers, which maybe will make our secondary look better, which I mean, it's the great comp- greatest compliment you can have to a secondary. Yes. Um, so I think there's a chance, a very slim chance. But if I had to bet money, I would bet that this is a get right game for you guys. Yeah. I hope it is. Because <laughs> like, listen, the, the reaction from the sports world after we had our one loss, it wasn't great. It, it was it, it, the amount of people who are just like, well, everything we did in the beginning of the season is trash. It's garbage. It doesn't count. Uh, and the Packers are frauds. And I was like, cool, we're back to this again. Uh, love it. 
Absolutely love it. Um, yeah, they seem to forget that the Bears just destroyed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the week prior, but whatever. So here's the thing about that. It's funny right? how that happens. Yeah, right? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. To Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Right. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. The last question I have for you is, is regarding your division. Um, your division, you know, the, the Titans, you know, they made nine and seven finally work. It finally, uh, it finally hit for them. You have uh, a mustached man in Jacksonville. So that's not really much of a threat um, whatsoever. Uh, looking at, at your division, why can't you be, even with like all these problems that you're mentioning to me and talking about, do you like still have like optimism that you can win this division? I think, it, I, I think the optimism is there for this week. Uh, I think after that, the optimism kind of has to, to, to kind of go away for the rest of the season. And, and it sucks for me because that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. Sure. I try to be positive in everything that we do. Um, and that's really what we've built our brand on because it's always easy to point out the negatives, but it's oh, yeah. the hardest to point out the positives and what else you can do. So I think if we can come away with a win this week, I think that's something you build on. And I think we can do it. Um, I don't know if we can win the division, but I'll tell you this. I don't think the Titans are as good as people think they are. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. Their defense is absolute trash. It, it is. That, that's my trash. one focal point on them. It's just like their defense does that. They really they weren't pressuring Watson at all last no. week. And I, I saw, I literally, I turned the channel when Will Fuller was literally just like standing there like, Hey, like a guy like 10 yards back. And I'm like, that's not the sign of a good defense. No, their secondary is bad. Their linebackers are bad. The best thing they have is Jeffrey Simmons. Um, but outside yes. of that, their defense is not very good. So um, I, I don't buy them as, as true contenders. I know Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind right now, uh, and that's great. But I've also seen Ryan Tannehill play out of his mind and then come back down to earth. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. You know, it may take a small little injury to A.J. Brown or something of that sort, because when you take away a guy like Ryan Tannehill's number one wide receiver, I think then you have to worry about Ryan Tannehill because A.J. Brown, a lot of people may not realize how good he actually is. But this guy's a future top 10 wide receiver in this league. Great route runner, great speed, great catch radius. He's going to be a player. Um, So I just don't buy the Titans. The team that scares me the most, and I've been saying this for the last six weeks, and I still buy into it. I said it in the offseason, is the Colts. Really? I understand that Phillip Rivers is not playing what we thought Phillip Rivers could. Yes, correct. The worst, the worst throwing motion in NFL history. But, but I do think that as time goes on, he's going to get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that he has weapons. I do think he has a great head coach in Frank Wright. Their defense is what is going to get them the furthest. They have mm-hmm. a very, very suffocating defense uh, at all layers. Um, and so I think Philip Rivers eventually gets it right. I mean, he, he looked good on Sunday after being destroyed by the Bengals, came back from nothing. Now it is the Bengals. So what does that really mean? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's things like that, that really that's what teams build on and they start to start to really make a name for themselves. And that defense is enough to make me think that it can happen. I think the Colts end up winning the division. I think the Titans come back down to earth. And if there's any chance of us making, uh, winning the division, it's got to start this Sunday because after that, it's too big of a hole for us to come out of. I hear you. James, Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. We had you on four years ago. We're bringing it back, and that's it. And uh, keep crushing it. I appreciate you coming on. And tell the people once again where they can find everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can go to texansunfiltered.com for any of our writing pieces. We do a lot of stuff based on film. Uh, so we don't write a lot of fluff pieces. Uh, really, we just go break down the film and show you what we see. Uh, this week, we did something on Titus Howard and J. Davian Clowney, how we held him at bay. 
probably be very interesting for you guys to look at considering Preston Smith will likely be going against Titus Howard. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Houston FB pod guy. Uh, and you could follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Houston FB pod. Um, and then you can find the podcast on any podcast platform, just search Texans unfiltered and Tom pleasure being on the show. Literally. Thank you for just giving me the motivation to start this. And, uh, I'm just happy that I'm here four and a half years later still talking about Texans. So thank you. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. We'll see you in four years again. <laughs> we'll just do it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>